Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest. Gia Lee created a pandemic product that became a smash hit, and I truly couldn't live without it. I can't wait for you to hear her story. But before I introduce you, in today's episode, we talk a lot about the power of a pivot. As you continue to learn and grow your own business, I invite you to join me in my new exclusive group, Found Her Confidential. From exclusive podcast content, ebooks, and monthly Zoom lessons, plus some Q&A, and a Facebook group where you can connect with other founders, we will cover various topics on founding, growing, and selling a business, including how to embrace a pivot. From time to time, I'll even bring on some special guests and more. Click the link in my show notes. We're kicking off in April. So Gia Lee is the gal behind Chicago's latest food trend, Hotbox Sushi. As you hear us talk today, I share my own experience of how I personally found Hotbox Sushi and how I basically can't live without it. As a former stay-at-home mom, Gia stumbled upon this business during quarantine. This suburban mom of three spent her childhood in Asia, has traveled the globe, and spent time living everywhere from Salamanca, Spain, to Madison, Wisconsin. This global exposure keeps her on the pulse of the latest trends in food decor, branding, and more. Gia is a proud wife and a mom of three daughters, ages 12, 9, and 6. Today, we talk all about how it's never too late to find yourself and to build a career that you love. So come on in and meet Gia Lee. First, first and foremost, what I'd really like you to do is tell everyone what is Hotbox Sushi. Because when people ask me what it is, my response is, I don't really know. It's hard to describe, <laughs> but it's amazing and addicting and you got to try it. So that doesn't really like explain what it is. So I'd love for you to tell us what is Hotbox Sushi and how did you come up with this idea? I actually didn't come up with the idea. It's a food trend that I came across online. Um, and I, nobody really knows where it came from. Um, I think people think it might've originated in Hawaii. Um, it's really popular in the Philippines, which is where I spent a lot of my childhood. Um, but basically what it is, is it's like a deconstructed California roll kind of, but that's baked and warm. So it's a casserole dish made of layered sushi rice and then layered crab mix. You can get it spicy and you take it home and you keep it in your fridge until you're ready to bake and you just pop it in your oven and you eat it hot um, with seaweed sheets. So it's kind of like eating sushi, but it's hot and creamy, but a lot of the same, uh, flavors. It's so good. I I cannot even tell you it's so good. I have like eaten so much. I've made myself sick from it. I mean, like not (laughs) sick, sick, but you know, I mean, just so full. Yeah, it is. I mean, during the pandemic, when we were like locked in our house, I think we ordered it sometimes twice a week. 
<laughs> um, I had a live-in nanny at the time and she and I were just obsessed with it. And, you know, so I, obviously I found you, I think just through word of mouth or someone shared it on Instagram, which I know that's how, especially during the whole like quarantine lockdown situation, like that's how a lot of people found you. But, you know, I would love for you to tell your story as to like, how did you turn this food trend into a business and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's so funny. It was never intended to be a business. So, you know, like you said, during the pandemic, we were locked down and pretty much like everyone else, I was, I did it all. Like I made all the food trends. I did the sourdough bread. I made the banana bread. I mean, every single food trend I saw come along, it was like the only thing that provided joy. I would like look online and be like, what am I going to cook next and eat? Um, and so one of the things I came across was this concept of a sushi bake. And I, I'd never heard of it before. And I was really intrigued and I just didn't even know if I would like it. And the next day I went and got all this stuff and I made it for my family and we all just thought it was so good. And so then I kept making it for different friends and everyone always just had the same reaction. They, they were so confused about what it was at first and they would try it and everyone would really, really like it. And so then I just thought like, man, I feel like all my friends around here love sushi. I wonder if people would buy this. And I, I had just recently picked up cookies from girls for my girl scout troop from like some mom that makes it out of her house. And so that kind of played a part. I was like, Oh, she makes these cookies and sells it out of her house. I literally picked it up from her porch. So I was like, I wonder if I can make these sushi bakes and sell it out of my house. And I started an Instagram page and the intention was really just to have a place where my friends could order from me and my neighbors. It was never intended to be anything more than that. Um, but yeah, that's how we started. So when you first started and I can't, I can't remember, how did you accept payment? Like what was the, what was kind of like the process that people would, I, did I DM you? I don't even remember. Yeah. I, so I'm like, we've gone through so many iterations. I'm trying to remember myself. I think in the very beginning it was Venmo. <laughs> Um, and people were just Venmoing me. And then very quickly we got on Square. And so we did have like a POS. You had your website. Yeah. And so people would order through that and pay through that. And then, um, yeah, now it's, I mean, it's gone through so many different phases, but yeah. So then like what happened? Because I remember, I, I legitimately remember I would come to your house, especially like on a Friday. Yeah. And there would just be like, you had like two or three Yetis on your porch. Yes, there would exactly. be cars everywhere. And I remember yeah. from your Instagram there, were, you would show pictures of like boxes stacked in your, in your living room, in your dining room. Yeah. So then what happened? Like, like you realized, okay, like I have this, but I've created a phenomenon. People can't live without hot box sushi. I also probably can't make it in my house anymore. Exactly. So then what happened? So, okay. So this is a crazy thing. I launched my Instagram page July 21st of last year, 2020. And within days, like not even a week later, um, one of the top like Chicago food bloggers somehow found us. Like we hadn't been anywhere. I mean, this is literally days into it. And it's so funny because he's like a huge, his name is, um, or he goes by shy city foodie huge Chicago blogger, but he was moving to Northbrook, which is where I live. And so he was, he was kind of like, I think maybe he was trying to figure out the Northbrook food scene. And that's how he found out about us. I'm not really which, sure. Like, let's be honest. There's not much of a food no. scene in Northbrook. <laughs> uh, not too much. Yeah. But anyway, so he found us and he reached out and he wanted to try it and he posted about it 
July 29th. So literally eight days after I had even started the Instagram page. And that's where it really took off. Like before that, it really was what my intention was just like selling it to friends and things. He posted it and it just kind of took off from there. We, we got a bunch of new followers. A lot of people in the city all of a sudden were reaching out saying, how can we get this? People were driving out from the city to pick it up from, from Northbrook. Also following that, because of his post and word spreading so quickly, we quickly got a call from the village um, saying we got wind of this and this is not allowed. And we had no idea you couldn't even, you know, make it out of your house. Cause I thought, well, all these people are selling baked goods out of their homes, um, that you can do, but there's, you know, with food you can't. So anyhow, so we had to shut down. Um, it's so funny because if people have been with us from the beginning, we've had to shut down so many times. Just well, because- I remember you shut down and it was like this mass panic. I mean, I- <laughs> People were like, what am I going to do? I can't get my hat box. Like, I, like what's going to happen? You know what I mean? So, yeah. so then what yeah. happened? Do you have a commercial yeah. kitchen? Yeah. So we needed to find a kitchen, which is not easy to find, especially in the suburbs. In the city, there's a bunch of ghost kitchens and different things where you can rent spaces. Um, and so we had to get super creative. And again, like we've shifted gears so many times. So the first kitchen we found was a catering kitchen that wasn't doing much catering anymore because it was the pandemic. And so we had rented space from her that ended up like not working out because she ended up like shutting her business down at some point. So then we ended up, we were shut down again, looking for a space. Then we ended up at a restaurant. Um, Now we're at renting kitchen space in Highland Park. So that's just been the struggle because from the beginning, we didn't want to put all this money into a space and have all this overhead because we really didn't know where this was headed. And so, you know, I really only needed the kitchen, you know, for not that many hours a week. And so that was kind of, yeah, hard. So what do you do now? So what's the operation process now that you, you have a kitchen and then what's the process? So like, how can I, how do I get it now? I mean, I know, but tell everyone, how do, how do I get it now? So we've simplified a lot. So now the only way you can really get it is through delivery, through Fresh Midwest, which is a grocery delivery service. Um, And it's been great. Um, So now you can go on freshmidwest.com and you go to Hotbox Sushi, you can place an order, and then they'll deliver it to your door pretty much any day you want. Um, You can order, I think, up to a week in advance. and that's basically the only way you can get it now. Um, Do you feel like that partnership with Fresh Midwest has one streamlined things for you, and two, like, and just made things easier? And two, has it helped you to reach new customers as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's people that you know. So when we were going out to the city before this partnership, we were. Uh, doing drops all over the city, literally out of our car, we would park in a spot, hero's spot. We we mimicked it after another business we saw that was doing this, but we would find a spot, hero spot. And then all these people would line up at like a random parking lot in Lincoln Park and pick up their hot box. And people would come like week after week to do this, but it's a pain. Um, and so I think there were a lot of people that were curious about us, but never actually came out to one of the drops that have been ordering. Um, it has been a little bit of a challenge. I seriously, I even got messages today. I get messages every day from people that say fresh Midwest doesn't deliver to them. And when are you going to do another drop or can we please pick up from you? Um, and so that's been a little tricky, but we have to figure all of that out. But I think for now, you know, for the most part, it's, it's streamlined everything. It's been so much easier. So what do you do with a business that you just like, 
didn't intend. I mean, you did not, you really, and I think a lot of people say like, oh, I didn't intend for, you know, but you really didn't plan for this. I mean, you were like making food for your friends and, you know, and you now have this business. And as any business owner knows, that comes with a lot of other responsibilities. I mean, it comes with filing taxes. It comes with bookkeeping. It comes with renting space, marketing. I mean, it comes with just a whole host of things. So you have this business now, like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, we, I definitely am not like a seasoned business owner. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm really learning as I go. Um, my husband has been a huge help on the business end of things. And so he handles a lot of the numbers and stuff like that. But Um, And I really enjoy the social media and the marketing part of it. So I love doing that part. And then I love how this partnership with Fresh Midwest now, they've taken care of a lot of the distribution. So I don't have to, you know, deal with even just like the daily things with customers having, you know, little things here and there. Like I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I can really focus on just the marketing. So um, honestly, it's really just figuring it out as we go. We like, has this know. been like a pleasant surprise? Like, are you glad that this happened? I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I think, like, I think back to when I started my business and I started my business and, and I knew like that it would be something like, do you know what I mean? Like I knew like, I'm going to make something of this. And people often ask like, but did you think it would be what it was? And and I didn't, but I knew it would be something because that's just my, that's the nature of me. But like, like, are you like, how do you feel about the way that this took off? Um, it was such a surprise. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I am proud of it. I never thought that I could build something like this and who knows where it's headed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like uh, growing up, I had a lot of a fixed mindset. And so, you know, it's funny now I feel like this, you know, going through this, it's helped me realize like, you know what, like I never thought I could do this, but like anybody can really. Um, and it's just like doing one thing like every day to like, you know, get to like where you want to be. But I love that you said that because I believe that too, that anyone can do this. And I think the other thing too, is you are a mom, Mm -hmm. you have three kids. I have three girls. Yes. Right. I was going to say, and I, I knew you had girls, but I wasn't sure if they were all girls, but how does it feel to have built a business that they literally watched you? They watched you build this because we were all at home mm-hmm. and they now see you on WGN and they hear you on my podcast and they see you on blogs. I'm sure you show them like, how does that part feel? Yeah, it's awesome. I think, you know, when my kids were little, I, I always struggled with like, not, I was a stay-at-home mom and I felt like, you know, my kids aren't seeing me do anything other than just take care of them. And, you know, I wanted them to see that there was more than that, even for me. And I also really wanted that for myself. And um, so, yeah, it's great to show them that like, even if like, you know, you didn't have a, you know, one track thing where you like graduated with this degree and got this job and you stayed at that job forever. I mean, you can really pivot and, you know, I love the book Becoming by Michelle Obama, but like, really, you don't have to choose one thing and stick with it. You can do whatever you want and change your mind and, you know, make it work. And don't you think this whole time has just showed us all that like we can pivot and make something out of nothing? Yeah. Right. I mean, and you did, which is just like, it's amazing. I have to ask you, is it 
all like I know you said your husband helps with the numbers and some of the stuff, but other than that, and like your partnership um, with Fresh Midwest, is it all you? Are you doing everything? Pretty much. I mean, we have had people along the way. So we had like a lady that helped us in the beginning. And then we have um, a guy, you know, a friend of ours help us here and there. Um, But for the most part, it's really been me and my husband. Um, And, you know, we're still very small. And so, you know, we haven't really had to hire anybody full time or anything like that for now. So, yeah, it's just really been us. (laughs) So do you go in like a certain number of times a week and just make the pro and make the product and then give them to fresh Midwest and then they distribute. Exactly. Um, so when we were at one of the um, kitchens we were at was a restaurant and they had a kitchen staff that had hours free. And so their kitchen staff would make it for us then. Um, and then now with fresh Midwest, they also have staff that can work in the kitchen. And so I've been training one of them. And so at some point, you know, hopefully I don't have to, cause really, you know, anybody can make it. And I feel like even for me, my skill set could be used elsewhere, um, rather than in the kitchen because I could teach anybody how to make this pretty easily. Um, so I would like to, you know, get out of the kitchen and do focus more on like growing the business and the marketing side of it. What would you say? I mean, I'm, I'm, I know that like the distribution type thing was your biggest challenge was a big challenge, but what else has been challenging thus far that has maybe been surprising or not so surprising? I mean, what, what are the challenges that are facing you as a business owner? I think it's hard to figure out how to grow it. I mean, the growth so far has been like amazing and we've been blown away. Um, But I also have a lot of just friends in different cities around the country that are like, can I do this? And, and I actually had a friend that, you know, tried to do it in Texas, but um, we love to expand in that way too, because I think this is like a very simple business model that could be, you know, replicated anywhere. And so um, I'd love to do that at some point. We're just trying to figure out how would that even happen? People have asked us if they could um, freeze it and ship it. So we have looked into that too. Um, but nothing has really panned out yet. We're just trying to figure all that out. But yeah, um, growing it has probably been the biggest challenge. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. And then I know you've said in this conversation thus far that you like to do the marketing and the social media and whatnot. So what are you doing to find new customers? I mean, other than 
um, you know, relying on fresh Midwest and word of mouth, which is huge for you. I mean, I see people posting about you all the time. So, you know, and I post you every time I order, I'm like, post a picture and people are like, what's that? Like, inevitably someone's like, what's that? And I'm like, you got to try it, you know, like, what are you proactively doing? I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is social media. So from the beginning, when we launched the product, even before we had, you know, the pretty pink boxes that you see now, um, I really wanted to focus on the experience. I wanted it to be very pretty. I wanted the whole thing as soon as you get it to be very Instagrammable. And, you know, that's probably why people are posting it. It looks pretty from the moment you get it and you open it. It's like a whole new experience and people want to document that. And that is like our marketing plan is just to have people document it, post it, and then share it. Um, And so that's always been the focus. We've ever since that first food blogger, Shy City Foodie reached out to us and we saw what a huge impact it had. We did reach out to other food bloggers and, um, you know, have them try it. Um, and it's so funny because like one of the big, I think like maybe the biggest food blogger, you know, gave us her rates. She was like, it's sometimes like people have, you know, rates and they're very expensive. And we said, you know, we can't afford that. And I think a few months later, she was like, actually, I'll just post it. Can I just try it? (laughs) Because I think she was curious. But I think too, like the other thing as well is like, you shouldn't, I believe that you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to pay for someone to try your food. Like you are offering to give it to them for free. and. If they like it, they'll share it. And that's, you know, every single content creator, blogger, influencer, all has organic content and they all have lives outside of their paid, their paid posts, you know? So for you to offer to send this to someone and if they don't like it, they won't share it and that's it. So, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think that that strategy is one to, I'm a, I'm glad we're talking about it because I think too often people succumb and pay for these like contrived posts, which you wouldn't want anyway, you know, and B, I think it's important to to say it out loud. Cause I think a lot of times people think like that they have to have big budgets for marketing. And here you are, like you've probably spent nothing. We've spent nothing on marketing. Um, I think in the very beginning, somebody had actually started us a Yelp page, like a customer. And we were like, Oh my gosh, we're on Yelp. And, um, and then somebody from Yelp reached out to us about marketing on Yelp. And so we did pay for one month of that. Um, and then we've realized that we don't really need that. Um, so that's like the one thing that we actually paid for in terms of marketing. But anything else, we have not paid for a single thing. Everything's just been really through word of mouth. And yeah, like we've given it to influencers. They've posted it on their own. There's no requirement to post it by anybody. Um but yeah, that's really, and then, you know, we've been featured in different, we were featured in like Eater Chicago, Bon Appetit, Chicago Mag. I didn't reach out to any of them. I mean, they literally, I don't know how they found us. Um, they found you because you have an amazing product and people are talking about it and they, they, that's what they want to share. That's their job. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was going to say you were on the hot list for Chicago magazine, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was crazy because that was when Rosemary um, had just opened, which is like a huge, really popular restaurant in Chicago. Nobody could get a table there. And the <laughs> Chicago Mag's hot list came out of like the hot 10 hottest restaurants in Chicago. And it was just so funny to me because number one was Rosemary and we were number three. And we're not even a restaurant. We're not even in Chicago. I was like, really? But uh, I mean, we'll take it. We were so blown away. But 
Yeah. It's been amazing. It's a testament to your product, you know, and I, and I think too, it's so amazing to have this kind of success and to see this kind of success from someone who just was doing something that they wanted to do and they liked, and they wanted to make their own family. And like, clearly it was a hit amongst other people. Like, I know. How does that feel? It's crazy. I, yeah, I don't know. And honestly, I don't know where this is even headed, but I think like, even just to have gotten this far and to have gotten this, you know, recognition, it's, it's pretty cool. And I I am proud of it. You should be proud of it. And I was going to ask you, well, I was, first thing I wanted to ask you again on another thing about marketing was you said you didn't pay, you haven't paid anything and that's amazing. But like, let's just say money was no object. Like what would you want to do? Like if you had, you know, a huge budget for marketing, where can you see yourself spending it? TikTok. (laughs) TikTok for sure. I'm like, my kids are obviously really obsessed with TikTok. I'm like older, so I don't really understand TikTok, but I know that TikTok has like something about it that allows things to go viral in a way that like doesn't happen on Facebook or Instagram. And I just don't know enough. So I tried to start a TikTok page and, and I did try to reach out to some TikTokers, but I just don't understand it. So if I had to spend money somewhere, it would hundred percent be on TikTok. You should take a class. I know that's actually a really good idea. You should take a class and we can talk offline about some places to look for classes, but I've started taking a lot of classes as well. And I think that just as a business owner, it's, you can always be learning, right? And like, it just in life, you can always be learning. And I, I just, I find that from listening to podcasts and taking Mm -hmm. classes here and there or workshops here and there, I'm finding these little nuggets that I'm instilling in my business that are helping me to just grow in areas where I never thought I would grow before, you know? Um, No, I mean, honestly, like when I was in the kitchen, um, in the very beginning of the first year, I would be in the kitchen. I'd always have my AirPods on. I'd always listen to how I built this, um, the podcast. And it was so helpful. I would always come home and be like encouraged or, you know, be like, oh, this like chicken salad lady ended up like, you know, doing this. And that's how she, you know, ended up spreading her business or whatever. But um, I do feel like listening to things like that are very helpful. And, oh, I was going to share, there was this book that I was listening to right when I started this, um, business and I was, you know, I wasn't back at my gym yet. So I was taking a lot of walks and, and I would always listen to something. And I, my husband told me about this book called the obstacle is the way the timeless art of turning trials into triumphs by, um, Brian holiday. And I, I don't really listen to a lot of self-help books, but he really recommended it. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you like anything in particular from the book that was so helpful, but the book was just basically saying like, persevere, don't give up. Like everything is not going to go as you plan. There's going to be setbacks. Don't wallow in it. Don't get emotional. Just like take steps to overcome it and fix it and be solution driven. And it was like the same thing over and over. I don't even know if it's really that good of a book, but just because I kept listening to that on my walks while we were creating this business, I really felt like it was super helpful. There were so many things that went wrong. There were were so many things that didn't go according to plan. I mean, we got shut down how many times? And it was so, I wanted to throw in the towel so many times, but just the fact that I had just listened to this book, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm not going to get emotional. We can do this. There's a solution. And it was super helpful. (laughs) 
other than the book, what else kept you from throwing in the towel? Because it could have been very easy for you to say, you know what, like, even though we're still dealing with the pandemic, like people are learning to live with the pandemic, people are starting to eat out again. It would have been very easy for you to be like, okay, we were like a pandemic, you know, prize and like, that's it. What kept you going? I think in the, you know, throughout the process before we were with Fresh Midwest, it was really just like a week to week basis. It wasn't like we had a lot of overhead and it wasn't like we had to hit a certain minimum to, you know, make ends meet or anything like that. And so, you know, if it just like was slow, then it would just be slow, but, and it would just be like less work and it wasn't that hard to maintain, um, And we just, I don't know, we just didn't think that much about it. And we just kept going. (laughs) I love that you said in the beginning of our conversation, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, because no one knows what they're doing. I mean, even the people who like say they know what they're doing, don't really know what they're doing. Like, you know, I mean, we're always learning. But like, what are some of the really important things that you've learned as a new business owner along the way? Like really like good things that you're like, now you're like, I can't believe I didn't know this before. Huh. I would say to just have a product that you really believe in, first of all, um, and then to like, maybe like treat, you know, obviously for me, like the customer is king. So anything the customer would want or have a complaint about, I would just go overboard to, you know, make it up to them. And, um, and then I think it's also just like learning how to pivot, like every, nothing is going to go how you intended or how you planned. And we've had to pivot so many times. And I think just learning to like roll with those punches is super important in any business. And the other thing I want you to touch upon is the genius part about your business. And you sort of said this before is like, you have no overhead. I mean, yes, you rent kitchen space, but like mm-hmm. you really don't have much overhead. Yeah. So talk a little bit about having a, having a business that, and and being able to make a business of something that is just so natural to yourself, you know, I mean, this was a natural thing. This was something you were making in your home. And I think we all have those things too. You know what I mean? Like everyone has something that they can make if they wanted or produce if they wanted. And you have really created a model that is genius because your profit margin is probably through the roof. Yeah. I think that's a huge mistake that a lot of people make is just, you know, I always say to my friends that have like, you know, little ideas and things, I'm like, just do it. First of all, like, even if it's super small and you're just selling it to four friends, like just start, like come up with a business name and just do it. Because I feel like so many people have like such amazing ideas, but they're always too scared to get started. Um, and they feel like they, and the other issues, they feel like they have to start so big, like they have to have a space and they have to have, you know, hire like a marketing team and all this stuff. And then you're just gonna, you know, be under, like you're going to be in the red forever. And, um, I don't think you need a lot to get started. You can start really small and, um, yeah. Tell me about the first time you went on TV. Um, so I've only been on TV that one time when you went on WGN. Yeah, I really did not want to do it. I'm not comfortable, you know, um, how did that happen? Let's, let's talk, let's talk about that first. Yeah. So fresh Midwest, when we, um, we joined up with them, their marketing team, 
um, wanted to, you know, get the word out that um, Hotbox Sushi was going to be now available through Fresh Midwest. And so their team actually set it up um, against my will. No, I'm just kidding. I, um, but it was, it was exciting. Um, I was very, very nervous because I'm not, you know, I've never been on TV and I, and I had to cook on TV and I'm not a professional, I don't have a professional food background. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was like, it was great. A lot of people actually saw it. Um, people that we hadn't reached out to before because it, it aired on WGN at like 11 a.m. or something. And I'm like, who's sitting around at home watching WGN at 11 a.m.? There are people watching WGN at 11 a.m. There sure are, because when I go on WGN midday, I get the most traction of any news program that I go on. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. So there are people watching it that are not on Instagram, maybe. Maybe it's like older people. I don't know, but people were watching and trying Hotbox for the first time after that. So I was going to say, do you, do you feel like it translated to sales? It did. So it's so funny because now my sales are just to fresh Midwest. And so I don't see how much fresh Midwest is selling. I just see how much they're ordering from me. Okay. Um, I know, you know, it's selling very well. So it, I think it definitely has translated. That's amazing. So if you could go back and tell yourself like something five to 10 years ago, what would you, what would you tell yourself five to 10 years ago about where you are now? So five to 10 years ago, I had little kids at home and I was a stay-at-home mom and honestly feeling like very discouraged about just like not having a career. I was watching my friends build their careers and do such amazing things. And Um, It was hard. I feel like I'm going to cry, but I feel like I would tell myself that this time with your kids is so precious and it's so fleeting. Sorry. (laughs) No, don't apologize because I think that you are so, you've hit the nail on the head and you, you're speaking from the heart and you're speaking the language of so many people who are listening. And I so appreciate you being vulnerable. Um. Yeah, I just feel like I was doing a really good job, like being there for my kids, but I was giving myself such a hard time. Um, and I wasn't showing myself grace. And I had all this like mom guilt and I had career guilt and all of these things. Um, but I think I would just go back and tell myself, like, enjoy it and, you know, give yourself some grace. Don't be so hard on yourself. And like, really just like cherish it. Cause now that my kids are all in school, it's like, I realize it's such a short time. And I think in my mind, I thought like, you know, my friends are building all these careers and now it's too late for me. But like, I realize now it really isn't like anybody can recreate, you know, their, their career or their life, like even in their forties and fifties. And, and so I just wish I wouldn't have like given, you know, myself such a hard time and like just enjoyed it a little bit more. What did you do before you had kids? So I was a teacher um, for four years before I had kids, but I I, I stayed home um, instead of doing that. And I really realized it really wasn't my passion. I didn't enjoy it. And so I just didn't know where I was going. Um, but also it was just so busy and exhausting that I didn't even have time to think about it. And so- um, And the pandemic gave you a moment. Yeah. To, right? To, and- now you're doing something that you love. Yeah, I know. Never expected. And like, how does that feel too, to wake up every single day and like, know that this is something you built, mm-hmm. you did. It's, you did it later on in your life, which is 
totally fine. And I want people to really hear that and take, take that away because I think too many people, to your point, give themselves such a hard time for wanting to be home for their kids or working and being home. Just no one's, no one's content. You know what I mean? Like everyone just finds some way to, to beat themselves up. And I think one, the fact that you just admitted this, I, I think is huge because a lot of people need to hear it. Like, how does that feel to wake up every morning and be happy with what you're doing? Yeah, honestly, like I enjoy it so much. And I, you know, it's, it's really cool that it's my own thing too. So I can take it wherever I want it to go. Um, and you know, even with the social media that it's really just my voice when you see, I I do all the posts myself. And so it's really, even when there's, you know, humor or, you know, whatever, it's all just like me, part of me coming out. And so it's really, really fun. And it's so much better than, um, you know, going to a job every day that you don't like, or, you know, nobody wants to spend time doing something that they don't like, especially, especially now, you know, with kids and everything. What would be like three to five tips that you would share with other entrepreneurs, other founders who are just starting out? I mean, your business is still very young. Mm-hmm. And you are, you have a lot of room to, to grow. And I know you're going to, I mean, that's the, you have exploded, but what would you share with others who are just starting out now? Um, I think, like I said, just to, just to go for it, um, and not take a lot of huge risks, but just to start small and, um, And then I think maybe to use your network and uh, test the market. I think when I first thought maybe I would want to sell this, I dropped off a hot box to like a bunch of my friends. And I just said, hey, you know, thinking about doing this thing, I'd love for you to try this and like give me your honest feedback. And that was super helpful. I mean, pretty much everybody really liked it. I think I had a couple of people say, maybe you could do this or that, you know, differently. But um, yeah, use your friends, use your network and your community to test it and see if this you even have something here, you know? And um, and I think a huge thing again is just like to focus on the growth mentality versus the fixed mentality. Like just keep thinking, like, don't keep telling yourself you can't do it or you're not good at this or you're not good at that. So many people have told me, well, I'm not good at social media or I'm not good at taking pictures. I'm like, anybody can take a picture and get better at it as you go. Um, and so just like going for it and feeling like you can do it and be, you know, really solution driven, um, and don't get discouraged. Gia Lee from Hotbox Sushi. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Honestly, if you're in Chicago, Hotbox Sushi from Fresh Midwest, you are going to want to try it. It is legit. One of my favorite things to order. And Gia Lee is the brain's and the face behind this awesome, awesome brand and product. You're going to want to follow Hotbox Sushi on Instagram. Check them out. Um, Gia, I can't wait to see what's to come from you. I really cannot wait. So keep going because I, I, I really, I can see this being in so many different cities within the next few years, truly. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was of fun. Of course, of course, anytime. I hope you'll come back. Of course. <laughs> Don't you just want to reach through your device and give Gia Lee a hug? 
I mean, truly, there is a lot of Gia in all of us, and I'm so honored that she shared her story in such a raw and emotional way with us today. So get your pen and paper out because I want to make sure that you can recap all of her awesome takeaways for starting a business. Number one, there's no one track to life. You can really pivot, you can do whatever you want, and you can change your mind to make it work. Number two, Make sure that your product looks pretty so that it's Instagrammable. This was a marketing tactic that worked so well for Gia. People documented and shared the experience, helping to spread the word organically. Number three, you can get the word out with word of mouth marketing strategies. You don't need a big budget. Just get people talking about your product so that other people come to you and want to share your story. Number four, you can never stop learning podcast books, classes, all of these things can inspire you to keep going. Number five, the time with your kids is so precious and so fleeting. Give yourself grace. Don't be hard on yourself and honestly cherish every moment. Number six, it's never too late to build a career or to recreate your life, even in your forties and fifties. Number seven, start, start small. Don't take huge risks at first. Take small baby steps. Number eight, Use your network and test the market at first. Test your product on the people that you know. Your friends can give you the best honest feedback. Number nine, focus on the growth mentality versus the fixed mentality. Don't get discouraged. Just go for it. Thank you so much, Gia Lee, for sharing your story with us. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and for being here to join us for today's episode of Dear Founder. Make sure that you follow Lindsay Pinchuk and Dear Founder on Instagram. You can also go to lindsaypinchuk.com slash freebie to download some of my tips, tools, and resources for starting and growing a business. We have some incredible guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Gia or who has started a business or who has an amazing idea, text them this episode or post it in your Instagram. Make sure to tag me and I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. I'll be back soon with another episode of Dear Founder. Have a great day.